Welcome to Element, the student ministry of Third City Christian Church. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. Tonight's message is a follow-up from last week. We've been walking through Genesis and the beginning of time and the beginning of humanity. And last week we talked about the fall of humanity and how sin entered the world and how deception and lies leads to dumb decisions, which leads to destruction. And we kind of talked about how we have stains on our hands from that moment. We have stains in our lives that only Jesus can wipe away. Only Jesus can make us white as snow. And tonight, we're seeing the effects. It's like cause effect, because we're literally like one generation down from the fall of humankind. It's like Adam and Eve's kids, and it's already a mess. And so hopefully, if, if you're walking into this room and you don't know who this whole Jesus guy is, well, um, I'll let you know by the end of the night, and I'm glad you're here, and I hope you hear that you have a thousand chances with God, um, and that he wants your heart. And once your heart is, is uh, made from, from being yucky to be made whole, um, you'll follow him with your heart, and you'll see that your sins will fade away. Um, your, your, your temptations will fade away, things like that. And if you are here and you're following Jesus tonight, I pray that tonight you see a new level of what you bring into this room on a Wednesday night or what you bring into moments of prayer or what you bring into moments where you're helping people in need, that following Jesus truly is a commitment. I hope you see all of that. So tonight's message I'm calling the Yucky Hearts Club. Yeah, all right, all right. Snaps, because it sounds like something you would do in like a jazz house. Tonight's message is called the Yucky Hearts Club. Okay, so uh, the first thing that we're going to do is we're going to talk about things that make us jealous. Because I think one of the things that makes the yucky heart is jealousy, self-centeredness, selfishness, all that kind of stuff. But let's be honest, there's things in this life we don't have that we want. Like, even though I have one of the newest iPhones, the second a new iPhone comes out, I feel like I have an old iPhone. Anybody else feel that way? You feel like, this thing's slow. Oh, I can totally see how the camera doesn't open as fast anymore. And they're like in my head and it makes me want. Or I have this new thing with uh, Vans. I think Vans are like hot right now. I've been wearing Vans since high school. Like I, I originally skateboarded in middle school. Like I could do an ollie, you know, so I was going pro. And... Um, and now I see people with like some sick vans and I'm like, I want those. Take them off your feet, give them to me. Ten, size 10 and a half if anybody wants to uh, appreciate that. Here's, here's one of my biggest things though, is when I'm driving around town, does anybody have a dream car? Yeah. Yes, I have a dream car. And so every time, oh, I'm getting hot just thinking about it. Every time I'm driving around town and I see some grandma driving my Prius, I love, I want a Toyota Prius so bad. And every time I see a grandma driving a Prius that I should have, and I get so mad. But it's okay. It's okay. Tonight we're talking about redemption, and it's fine. It's okay. Um, just think about the things that, that make you jealous, and uh, that's what we're going to talk about. I'm really sorry. I'm still cleaning up paint from last week. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, I got water all over my glasses. I got water all over my face. Has anybody got like a lens cleaning cloth or something? I didn't plan for that. Anyways, turn to the person next to you and tell them the thing that you're most jealous of in life right now. Maybe it was something you saw online. Maybe it was something you saw in school. Turn to the person next to you and say, I want this. If you had a million dollars, you would buy this. Insert blank. What would you buy? 
I'm gonna do a quick costume change. Clean up a little bit. All right, all right, wrap that up, wrap that up. Got your answers, got your stuff. Yes, Steve Schweiger, everybody. Round of applause for Steve Schweiger with the glasses cloth. Hey, he's been around the block. He knows there's times where you need to clean those lenses so you can see. That's right, that's right, that's right. We're feeling good. That's the good night. We're feeling good. I literally have drops of water in my beard. Jealousy. Okay, so you're going to see this tonight in Genesis. We're in chapter 4, and it's so crazy because we're only four chapters into the Bible, and we're already talking about how sin is into the world, and tonight we're talking about murder. Like, things got bad real quick. And I think people read the Bible, and they think, only good things happen in this thing. Like, this is a story of good things happening. I would say most times, the Bible is a story of bad things happening to good people. Like, overall, that's probably a thing that happens more than not. And you'll see that tonight. And I want you to see Yucky Heart, uh, the Yucky Heart Club in all of this. So this is Genesis chapter 4, uh, verse 1. And we're going to start reading. Adam made love to his wife Eve, and she became pregnant and gave birth to Cain. That's how babies are made. She said, with the help of the Lord, I have brought forth a man. Later, she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now, Abel kept flocks and Cain worked the soil. So he was a shepherd, he was a farmer. In the course of time, so over some time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to God. Like he brought some, some worship, some offering, some sacrifice, some piece of his heart. And Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flocks. So he was thinking, okay, what's the most valuable uh, thing that I have here? I'm going to bring this to God and worship. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you did what is right, this is kind of implying like God has already told him, like, if you would do what was right, like I told you, right? If you would do what was right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. Sin is literally waiting to make you fail. Remember last week we talked about deception. Lies always destroy. It's waiting for you. Half-truths, things that you believe that lead you into dumb decisions, that leads to destruction in your life. It's crouching at the door. It desires to have you, to overtake you, but you must rule over it. So this is something that's worth talking about. God is saying, I don't cause sin in this moment. He's saying sin happens because of the choices that were made in the garden, and now you have the responsibility of choosing one way or the other. You have that responsibility now. Now, Cain said to his brother Abel, so we don't know if time passed, maybe time passed. It's like if you were telling someone you drove to Chicago, you would say, well, we went through York, and then we went through Omaha, and then we went through Chicago. There's a lot of space in between, but you're telling the story, right? So, now Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field, which, like, let's go out back in the creepy alley. I'll meet you back there. Got tic-tac-toe set up. We're, we're going to have a good... No. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother, killed him, straight up murdered the guy. Then the Lord said to Cain, where's your brother Abel? And Cain lies to God's face and says, I don't know. Of course God knows that's not the answer. He replied, am I my brother's keeper? Saying, like, am I his babysitter? Am I supposed to take responsibility for this? The Lord said, what have you done? 
Listen to yourself talk. Who have you become? Your brother's blood cries out from the ground. Basically saying this, I think a lot of people, um, when they hear about people following Jesus, they think, um, we're just going to take punches and we're not going to do anything about it. Or we'll just get slapped in the face and we'll let them slap the other face. That might be true. We're not going to be a violent, rowdy crowd. But on the same page, what they don't understand is that we have a father in heaven that is super protective. And he keeps track of every wrong that is done to us. And he pays very close attention to who does those things. I just want to say that. Like, even though you're not throwing punches back, your father sees what's going on. And he'll have the final word. Don't worry about it. Now that you're under a curse, you've chosen this thing, so now you're cursed. And driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand, saying, the same ground that has soaked in your brother's blood because of what you've done, Now this is going to be hard. You're not going to be able to eat from it as easy as you thought you were. And you're going to be a restless wanderer on the earth. You're not going to feel like you're at home anymore. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is more than I can bear. Like he's complaining about what's happening. Today, you're driving me from the land and I will be hidden from your presence. And I will be a restless wanderer on the earth. And whoever finds me will kill me. Isn't it strange how there is no remorse in this next statement? There's no, like, I'm sorry, I realize now that, like, killing my brother was not a good thing. There's none of that. He literally only thinks about himself. Me, me, me. What if someone kills me? And here's how gracious God is. If I was God, this next sentence would be very different. But here's what Cain gets. But the Lord said to him, not so. Anyone who kills Cain will suffer vengeance seven times over. That's what I'm talking about. We have a very protective heavenly father. That if, if someone's bullying you, God doesn't forget about it. He sees it, and you can trust him to take care of that. Then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. I have no idea what that mark was. must have been good. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. So here's where I want to go with tonight. There's a lot of conversation about what the sacrifice was, what God's doing in this story. The thing that I want to hone in on is the heart. I want to show you the yucky heart in this situation. And here's my argument for that. Here's here's how I'll set this up. If you had a good friend, and out of nowhere that friend said, hey, I'm coming over in 15. I have a a present that I want to give you. You're like, sweet. I love surprises. And and, And they show up, and they hand you a box. And you open the box. You're pumped. You rip it open. And there's like a moldy potato and a rotten banana in there. And you like, look at this, look at them, look at this. And then you go, you okay? <laughs> you know, like, what, like what's going on? Is there, is there something between us? Like, is there, are people saying stuff? Like, what's going on? It's the same kind of thing, I think, with Cain, where he brought this act of worship, right? This act of, this offering to a friend, his God, and God opened it going, what's up? Like, what's up with your heart right now? Like, this is definitely not wholehearted. This is like a yucky heart situation. And here's where you see this. I think you see the evidence of a yucky heart in the next few things that happen here. Because here's what happens. First, he was dissatisfied. He was dissatisfied with what God gave him. Just like Adam and Eve, he might have been buying into the lie that God's holding out on you. You shouldn't give him your best. You should give him half your best because you need a backup plan. Like if this whole God thing doesn't work out. He had some sort of level of dissatisfaction with God. And maybe you do too. And then the next yucky heart thing is that he got angry and he got jealous. 
And I think about like all the anger we have and the jealousy that we have. And I think anger, something interesting about anger is that we destroy ourselves and then the next thing that comes out of anger is we destroy someone else. And that's exactly what happened here. There was enough anger and jealousy in this situation that there was a grudge. And he was mad. And he was so mad. Like, have you ever been so mad? You're like, the next time I see that person, oh, I'm going to let him have it. This, this is where Cain was at. That was the yucky heart syndrome. There was yucky in his heart and he murdered. And so what I want to try to say here is that I don't think you just wake up one day and go, today's the day I murder him. Yep, nothing up until this point made me mad, but I just got this feeling, like today's the day. You know, you like, if, okay, you, you're smart enough to know this. If you're a bully, you're smart enough to know you're a bully. If you're a bully in this room, you didn't wake up one day and go, I'm going to be a bully. That's perfect. That's my idea. No, no, no. You got bullied, and you got made fun of, and you got thrown into a trash can. You got thrown around. You got gossiped about. And eventually, you got mad enough, mad enough, angry enough that you said, that's it. I don't care about anybody anymore. And I'm going to destroy whoever walks in my path. You don't just wake up and be a bully. It's a process, a yucky heart process. And then you lie. Cain lied straight to God's face. And lies always make it worse. Lies always, always, always destroy And like we saw, the next step was taking no responsibility for his actions or having no remorse. There was like, no, sorry, I did that. No, hey, maybe I shouldn't have killed my brother. There was nothing like that. And I think that's the same thing for people who lie is the first thing they're going to do is they're going to try to blame someone else. And that's what happens because the next thing he does after he doesn't take responsibility for it is he complains about his consequences. God, this isn't fair to me. This isn't fair to me. This isn't what I want. And how many times have you said, it's not fair that you take away my phone. It's not fair. That's literally what was happening in this moment. This yucky heart situation. And I want you to see at the end of all of this, yucky hearts burn bridges. Yucky hearts burn bridges to friends because your friends don't want to be around you anymore. Because you're yucky. Yucky hearts burn bridges to your guardians, your parents, your grandparents, whoever it is. And all of a sudden, they don't trust you anymore, and you're going, why don't you trust me? It's because you're not trustworthy. You have some yucky heart situation going on where you're burning all these bridges. You're bridged to God. You've decided, you're not good enough for me. I'm better. I'm going to take this on by myself, whatever, bridge burn. And then all of a sudden, you're isolated, and you're alone in your lies, and in your self-pity, and your selfishness, selfishness, selfishness. It's all about me. It's not fair to me. What about me? I want to make the case that I think almost all sin starts with a lie or is a lie believed. I think lies are at the root of all of it. And I think at the end of those is selfishness. Selfishness is at the end of all yucky, yucky hearts. So I want to show you something. 
We're going to play a game called the Yucky Hearts Club game. And so I, I didn't have time to make a video, but this is what the video would have looked like. The curtains would have opened. Imagine like red curtains. And then you would hear like... And then you have a kick line coming in. And then uh, the, the, like, the lights would fling in. And it would say, Yucky Heart Club game. But then the yucky thing would go... And then it would like kind of flicker on like... And then the whole set would fall, and then the curtains would close. I didn't have time to make that video, so just imagine it. Um, next up, okay, I want you to sit up in your chairs, sit up in your chairs, put your hands on your knees, and I want you to, uh, like, like uh, chin up, shoulders back, chin up, shoulders back. Okay, now, I want you to answer as honestly as you can, not to each other, just to yourself, just to yourself, not to each other, answer these next few questions. And answer as honestly as you can, because literally no one else will know that you're answering any different. Okay, here's the first question. Are you okay with what God has given you in life? Are you angry about what you have? Are you discontent with what you have? Do you think it's not fair? Are you okay with what God has given you in life? Okay, next. Do you trust him with what he will give to you in the future? You say, I don't have that good thing right now. But even if I don't get that good thing, I'm guessing that God has a good thing for me in the future. Okay, next slide. Do you blame God for what you don't have? Do you blame him and say, I'm jealous of that? Why do they get that? Do you blame God for what you don't have? Next slide. Do you get mad at God when someone gets something you wanted? Say, why do they get what I want? Next slide. Have you been mad at someone for more than a week? Like, have you had prolonged anger in your world? Have you had anger on top of anger on top of anger? Next slide. How often do you cover up bad behavior with lies or blame? Like, once a week or once a day? Is that just the whole world you're living in? Is like, if anybody figures out these lies, my whole world is destroyed. Where are you at in that? Next slide. Have you ever admitted to doing something wrong? Have you ever taken responsibility for doing something wrong? Has, has this phrase ever left your mouth? I'm sorry, I was wrong. Next slide. Do you throw a fit when you're handed the consequences for your actions? So, where were you at in all of that? I want you to think. And whoever's talking over here, I need you to be quiet right now. Thank you. Where were you at in all of that? Where was your heart at in all of that? I'll tell you, the first three or four questions for me are very hard. My whole life, I have struggled. I have struggled, struggled, struggled with being jealous of what other people get. And I feel like I'm shorthanded. I feel like, why do they get what I want? Why don't I get that right now? If this life is supposed to be good, why can't I have that? That's my thing. What's your thing? Is it the lies? What's your thing? Is it the thing of never admitting you're wrong? Where are you at in all that? Because here's something that's really interesting. I want to take that and I want to show you God's heart. Because this is where things change. See, what did Cain deserve? Cain deserved the death sentence. He killed his brother. Like one of the few people on the planet had enough hatred in his heart to kill him. 
deserve to die, really, like eye for an eye, right? But here's what God did. He said, I won't kill you. I'm going to give you a second chance. You're still going to have to deal with consequences, and you're still going to have to make decisions whether or not you're going to follow me or choose your own way. You'll be sad in your heart to know that Cain chose his own way, and it ended in misery. What did Abel deserve? I think Abel deserved the death sentence too. And I think we read this story and think, oh, Abel was perfect. Not the way I read scripture. Because he is one generation removed from the fall of mankind where sin entered into humanity. That boy's got sin in his heart too. Both of those guys got yucky hearts. But here's the difference. There was something different about Abel's heart that when he walked away, God said, that was good. That was good. And I know that Abel had a yucky heart because I read things like Romans chapter 3. And it says that all have fallen short of the glory of God, but are made new in Christ Jesus. Every one of us. All of us. Besides Jesus Christ. So Abel had a yucky heart. And I read things like Romans 6, where it says, the wages of sin is death. If you have sin, if you have stains on your hands, if you have lies in your heart, if you have a yucky heart caused by sin, your payout is death. And whether that's death later, or whether that's death right now, the death of your innocence, the death of your trustworthiness, the death of your character, you're going to experience death. And if you never, if you, here's, the, here's the crazy part, you guys, you got to hear me. And this way you can say that nobody never told you. If you still have those stains on your hands when you stop breathing and you haven't dealt with those, you're paying the price. You haven't picked up a substitute. You haven't picked up an offering. And you walk in front of God guilty and he cannot be with the guilty. And you're separated from God. That's what people refer to as hell, as an eternity of separation from God. If you do not deal with these things. I think Abel had a yucky heart too, but something was different about him. And I love what God showed me. This like blew my mind and I take no credit for it because I had no idea going into this week that this was gonna speak this loud to me. This is beautiful. This is what Jesus taught. I thought, this reminds me of something. This reminds me of something I've heard before. And I looked in Luke chapter 18 and read this. Check this out. This is Jesus talking to some who were confident of their own righteousness, who were self-centered, who were selfish. And all they could think about is me, 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 me. This is what he said to them. He looked down on it and they looked down on everyone else. Jesus told this story to teach them something. He said, two men went to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. A Pharisee would have been someone who was self-righteous going, hey God, you're lucky to have me. I'm a big deal, don't you see? It's all about me. And what you get from me, you're gonna take, okay God? That was a Pharisee. The tax collector, that was the guilty man. That was the cheat, the lie, the steal of that time. And everyone, when he would have walked in, would have gone, yuck. And here's what Jesus teaches. He says this, the Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I'm not like other people. You are so lucky to have me, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, cheaters, or even like this tax collector, literally almost spitting on the guy out of self-righteousness and self-centeredness. 
I fast twice a week. I give a tenth of all I have. Don't you love my offering, God? I come to Element. Don't you see it? I even go to small group and put on a name tag. And here's what Jesus teaches. But the tax collector, the filthiest, stood at the distance, and he wouldn't even look at heaven. He wouldn't even look at it. But he beat his breast, and he said, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. And Jesus turns the crown and he goes, I tell you, this man left in the right with God today. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled. And all those that humble themselves will be exalted. I think that's the secret of Cain's heart. It was a humble heart. What do you bring to God? Do you walk into this room, not sure about this whole Jesus thing, and just go, I'm just going to create chaos here? Because I don't, I, I create chaos everywhere I go, and that's all I know how to do, and so I got one more place to do it. You got a yucky heart, bro. Maybe you are following Jesus, and you walk into this room and you go, Oh, God, I am so glad I'm not like those loud kids over there. Ugh. Are we listening to another sermon about Jesus dying for our sins? Can I get some, like, meat in this? Can I get something that means something? God, thank God I'm not like that kid that just walked in that looks like he smokes. Where are you at in that? The wages of sin is death. Adam and Eve, something had to die to cover them. They walked out of the garden with hide on. That means something had to die. In Cain's story, because of sin, something died, and that was his brother. In Abel's story, his sacrifice died to cover him in his heart, in his yucky heart. Why are we so different? We are in this place tonight in need of someone to cover our yucky heart and our death. The sin, the stains on our hands. What are you going to do? You can't do it yourself. But here's the hope. The same God that looked at Cain, the guy who killed his brother and said, I'll protect you. And, oh, I just, I just want you to choose me. I'm going to give you another chance and I want you to choose me because I'm going to show you something beautiful in your life if you choose me. Is looking at you and me and saying the same thing. Because you and I are as guilty as Cain and as guilty as Abel. When you are standing here tonight, what will you bring? Will you bring a heart of self-centeredness? Or will you bring a heart of humility? Will you humbly stand? And what offering will you bring? Are you willing to surrender to God? Jesus, thank you for who you are. We love you. So thankful for a second chance. I pray that as we sing this next song, we don't just make noise to make noise, but that we sing from the depths of our spirit, looking for a savior to wipe us clean so that we're not separated from you any longer. Like my, my yucky heart and stuff right now is all, why do they get what I want? And I've dealt with that for years. Where is your heart? Like, what are you bringing in your heart? 
because I think this is what Abel did. I think he walked to God with whatever offering he had and he went, God, you are so good. And you are so good to me to give me breath to breathe. This is literally all I have. And I know it's nothing. It feels like a lot to me, but it's nothing to you. It's not as much as you deserve, but it's all I got. And I'm gonna give it to you. And I'm gonna trust you that you're God and I'm not, and I'm just a human. You're so good to me to allow me to be here. I think that's Abel's heart posture. What's yours? And you might be in a situation tonight where you're like, what's my next step? We always talk about this kind of stuff. What's my next step? Especially with sin, because sin's tricky. And I think a lot of the time we wanna go, okay, I gotta get over sin in my life. I gotta get rid of the stains, so I'm gonna do it. And so we start to like almost watch our feet when we walk. Like that's metaphorically what we're doing. But here's what I found, here's what I found. In my life, I, I have watched stains dissolve and I've watched stains be washed away, not because I was focused on the sin, but because I was focused on Jesus. You understand? And so like, it goes like this. I love Jesus so much for giving me a second chance. I love Jesus so much for giving me the opportunity to even be here. I don't deserve any of this. That like, for, for instance, like it's not like I, I don't cheat on my wife because it's bad. I don't cheat on my wife because I love her and I don't wanna hurt her. See the difference? And it's like with Jesus, it's like, I love you so much. I'm not gonna sin because I love you and I don't wanna hurt you. You know, a scripture says it grieves the heart of God. When you choose the way of Cain, when you choose to know and then disobey, it makes him weep because he loves you. That's what I'm talking about. And so would you look to God with so much love and say, I love you. I love you, Jesus, and I'm gonna bring what I can and I'm gonna let you wipe away all the stains because I can't do it myself. And it's literally like this, like I had this like picture in my mind. This was, this was a hike that I went on like three years ago with my wife and we're walking and we're like in the afternoon, you're not supposed to be hiking in the afternoon. And I think there's gonna be a picture, but like, um, and so you're walking up this trail and it was a tricky trail. Like I kept like misstepping and like sliding and like, we were out like six miles. And I was like, if I roll an ankle right now, Jane's strong, but she can't carry me six miles. You know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, I've got to make sure every step is perfect. And I spent so much time looking down that I got to this rock. And I looked at Jane and I go, I think we got to turn around. Like I can't go any farther. We've been walking for days. It feels like we've been walking for hours and it's getting late. And maybe you feel like that in life with your sin. Man, I've been staring at my feet, walking for hours. And we decide, now let's go just a little bit further. And what I didn't understand was down the ridge and around the corner was this. And it was beautiful. And I had spent so much time looking at my feet that I never looked up to see the beauty of life and the beauty of everything that I was working towards. And the rest of the day, yeah, I made some mistakes and yeah, I slipped on some rocks, but I was focused on this beautiful thing in front of me. Instead of looking down, I was looking up. I think your next step is not to focus on your sin. Let God work with that. I think your next focus is to look at Jesus and see who he is and what he says about you and look it up for yourself. Don't just take my word for it. Will you look up 
we look up. Thanks for joining Element. To find out more, go to thirdcitychristian.org backslash students. <laughs>